We worship the God who gives us mercy. Hear me, all of us deserve the wrath being shown in all of this. And we are protected because of Jesus Christ alone. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, it's great to be here with you, man. It's great to be worshiping you. We're in a series here that's called The Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. And we're talking through Revelation chapters 4 through 19. We're looking at that future seven years that is to come, that future seven years that's coming. God's got a plan over it. And at the end of that seven years, Christ comes, right? So that's out ahead of us, and we're excited to be going after it. The thunderous sevens is just God's fingerprint of his handiwork all over the place, using the number seven often when he does it, all right? So we're going to be talking through some more of that today, but before we jump into that, just wanted to touch a little bit on what's going on in our world, like in this past week. Um, in this past week, we had a, just a horrifying earthquake in uh, Turkey and Syria, and uh, right on the northern border of Syria, kind of the way far right side of Turkey there. And, and uh, actually, this earthquake was massive in size. Just checked between services, and they're now saying up to 28,000 who have lost their lives, right? So this is a huge deal for us to be able to storm the throne of grace, to be praying and longing for God to get the glory, right? That God could truly stir lives to come towards him. May he be a peace in the midst, just as Pastor Mike was preaching or praying here and uh, kind of presenting that peace. May we long for God to truly do a work. These are horrible, horrible hurts and tragedies. That said, as we're about to dive into Revelation, I want to make sure we understand a little of the distinction, all right? Let's make sure we can see the difference between what was going on this past week and some of what we're going to be going through today. And so when we look in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8, Jesus was asked, hey, what are some of the indications of your coming? What are the indications of that happening? And he said, it'll be like birth pangs, the beginnings of birth pangs right? And so this beginning of birth pangs, he walks through a description and he says, there'll be some who are false messiahs. They're coming in like, I'm the source of peace. They'll be promising that. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be rising up nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, all of those wars going on. And then as he started to go on from there, he said, and there will be famine and earthquakes, like those are real parts of what's happening as birth pangs as you come towards the end and Christ coming. And we just want to make sure we're really clear on it. Like this earthquake is not judgment. Like don't see that in the same way that we're going to be looking at Revelation and some of what's rolling out there. This is not judgment other than it's allow God allowing this world to roll to its natural conclusion. This is God walking this earth, even the physical earth and its physical groanings, the shifting of tectonic plates and all of that is a part of the kind of the preparing and the waking up and the getting closer. We just have to see them as distinctively different and that's a huge deal for us to grasp that. At the same time, birth pangs, right? Wars and rumors of wars. Like we've got Russia attacking the Ukraine and we've got, I never knew how much grain the Ukraine provided into the world. They're saying now probably 300 million people are going without daily food because the Ukraine cannot get their uh, grains out, their breads out and all that stuff. It's a huge hurt and that's the famine going on. But then on top of it, earthquakes. 
And we saw this massive earthquake last week. Just so we're clear, that Turkey-Syria border there, that's just a little bit, for those who maybe wrestle with the maps a little bit in their, in their mind, it's a little bit up from Israel, just straight up from Israel. That's right where it happened. And uh, Israel actually took like a 4.0 earthquake from this big earthquake that hit in Turkey. And uh, if you just go a little bit over from there to the other side of Turkey, that's where the seven churches are that John was writing to. That's where the island of Patmos is. Like we're right on it. And, And I never realized that that tectonic plate there that that's on is probably, they say, the most active in the globe. And God's like, just so we're clear, you're going to be seeing earthquakes and more of them, birth pangs. Ladies, you know what that is if you've had a child, right? This oncoming of pain, but it it subsides. And and when it starts to increase in frequency and intensity, that starts to say something about what's to come, all right? Let's just make sure we put it into that context. That's a huge deal that we understand. And our call to pray and long for God and his glory, for people to experience the peace of God, and we hurt along with them. Ready? And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. So as we dive in today to the trumpets, are you ready? That was a real question. Are you ready? Like, dude, here we go. This is a big deal. We're about ready to unroll the scroll, all right? And we're about ready to see the trumpets. God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he's about ready to walk us through some of that plan kind of in the last half of the seven years, the last three and a half years. So here we go. We're getting ready to dive in to the trumpets. Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 6. Revelation 8, starting in verse 6. And we'll jump in with point number one in your Revelation booklets that you've got from us that we created. That's on page 42. All right? Page 42. Point number one, woe to the earth. Opening the seventh seal will allow the scroll to be unrolled, declaring the wrath of God in the seven trumpets. Woe to the earth. Opening the seventh seal will allow the scroll to be unrolled, declaring the wrath of God in the seven trumpets. So remember, inside the scroll is the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. All right? And so we're going to walk this timeline through. Uh, If you remember this, just I'm going to walk it through. Just say it out loud with me. Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Let's say it together. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Christ comes. That's the timeline. Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Christ comes. So we're in the trumpets now as we dive in. All right, here we go. Uh, Trumpet number one, part of the earth destroyed. Uh, One third of earth is burned. This is the first trumpet as God addresses the earth. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Seven angels with seven trumpets. How many? Don't forget the thunderous sevens, right? And it says, the first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown onto the earth. There was hail and fire mixed with blood. This is like the worst rainstorm you could ever imagine globally, right? Hail and fire. 
And, and just the combination of that and talking it through, what does that even mean? And some will guess, well, maybe something from outer space, asteroid or something that kind of mixes with, and you're getting hail and fire coming down worldwide. And it says mixed with blood. And you have to decide what that even means. Is that somehow blood actually in it that Maybe we don't know of anything like that. Maybe it's the blood that's caused on the earth from it. Is it just a metaphor in some element? Whatever it is, can we just say worst storm ever, right? And we've got this hail and fire and blood coming down. And it says the first angel blew his trumpet and there followed this hail fire mixed with blood and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees, how many? A third, you're going to hear that number a lot, right? As we get into the trumpets, a third is being dealt with all the time. In the seals, it was a quarter. In the trumpets, it's going to be a third. And so it says a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees, and actually all of the grass was burned up. This is going to be a raining down of hail and fire that is knocking down trees, burning things up everywhere. There's going to be this kind of smoke rising up all over the place from trees that have been on fire, from grass that is burned out. We're going to see burnout all over the place, or they will be, I should say, because the church will have been raptured out by now. But you're going to see this burned up spot all over the place. And uh, I'll just say the grass will probably look something like our grass does every August because we don't water our grass. And it just turns up this brown smoked roasted grass that looks horrid, right? And like it's going to be a nasty burn fire and uh, just kind of a burn out along the way. A third of the earth burned up. It's going to be a brutal, brutal global storm. That's the first trumpet. God beginning to make a statement as he wakes him up through a little bit with a rainstorm and a hailstorm. Trumpet number two, part of the sea destroyed. One third of the sea creatures die. Part of the sea destroyed. One third of the sea creatures die. It says the second angel blew his trumpet and something like, everybody say like. We're going to hear that word a lot today, 15 times today. So there's going to be a lot of, it's similar to, right? When we hear the word like, it doesn't mean it is that. It means it's like that. It's similar, but it's not, not that, all right? And so we have like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Somehow like this massive, huge mass of land, like a mountain in size, burning on fire, whatever it is, is this volcanic element that's going on? Is this some massive earthquake that cuts a piece of earth off and it slides down into the ocean? Is that what's going on? Some will even say, maybe this is from an asteroid or something outside, huge uh, kind of a heavenly body that torches in and hits down and brings a big splash and ends up bringing massive poison and heat to the water. The water literally starts heating up and boiling, poison spreading out through it and having a massive effect. And this mountain burning comes crashing into the sea, it says, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures of the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. How many? A third. And so this, maybe this hits one ocean, like it hits the Pacific and a part, or, or the Atlantic. Maybe it hits the Indian Ocean like that, 
and it hits one spot, and as it hits there, it just splashes down, and all the nasty and the poison and the heat and everything rising just sort of makes it a terrible environment, and everything in that area just dies. And you start to see the floating of dead fish and everything else in that area. Now, a third of the earth has been torched and a third of the sea has been hit. And uh, it is a massive statement. And everybody say, God has a plan. And don't miss it for worship, not for worry. Say it with me. For worship, not for worry. As we walk through this, God is doing something and calling people to himself and making his holiness known. Trumpet number three, part of the fresh water destroyed. One third of the fresh water turns bitter. One third of the fresh water turns bitter. So this is part of fresh water. It says the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. Now this one for sure is definitely something like an asteroid coming from the heavens. A great star torched and on fire comes reeling in just and it hits and it hits fresh water, which means it's hitting land. This hits somewhere and it's taking out land and it's fresh water as it hits this great star, massive in size. The target is the drinking water as the fire falls down. It says it fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. How many? A third, right? And a third of the waters became wormwood. Literally, that's a word that was used for kind of a a bitter, a poison. Uh, It's something you would use that word similar to like if you were walking in the desert and you found some water, but there were animals that had died next to the water, maybe even in the water, and you knew like this is water you do not want to drink. This is wormwood. It means bitter, but quite frankly, it means like way worse than what we think of when we think of bitter. Bitter, we think like, oh, it doesn't taste good. No, this is deadly poisonous, evil, bad to drink in that regard, right? This wormwood, and it says, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. It had been made poisonous. Many die. Many lose their lives by drinking water that had turned rancid in some way with this probably some sort of asteroid and whatever radiation and junk that comes with it, and it just poisons the fresh water. Trumpet number four, part of heavens are destroyed. One third of the sun and moon and stars are struck. One third of them are struck. So it says here, the fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars. How many? Yeah, a third. Again, we see sun, moon, and stars. Now the heavenly bodies are being hit. It says so that Uh, A third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and uh, likewise a third of the night. Literally beginning to see it get darker. Now, if you remember in the seals last week, we already saw this kind of smoke rising and filling the area and sort of darkening down the sun and its brightness. Now the sun itself is literally going to become a third less bright. It's going to get darker and dimmer and more eerie And then on top of it, with the sunlight down, it's actually going to also get cooler. There's going to be sort of a sense of ominous threat to life, to heat, as these heavenly bodies are no longer giving their light at the same level. And uh, a third of the night and a third of the day 
It says, then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe. Just remember, whenever we uh, see in the Hebrew the word repeated three times, that means there is no example like it. And so this is kind of taking that Hebrew cultural element. There is no example of woe like this. Woe, woe, woe. Just say those three words with me out loud. Ready? Woe, woe, woe. Man, can you imagine? You've already seen a third of the earth, a third of the sea, a third of the fresh water. You've seen a third of the heavenlies. And then they say, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. If you remember last week, we talked about what that means. Those who dwell on the earth, those who make this place home. They're like, I don't care about eternity. I don't care about God Almighty. I don't care about worshiping him. This is my home. Those who dwell on the earth. This is the place I want to make it. I'm about me and worshiping my comfort. This is my home. Those who try and dwell on the earth, those who are not worshiping God. Everybody say unsaved. Right? This is the unsaved. And the blasts of other trumpets that the three angels are about to blast. Woe to those who don't know God Almighty. There's a lot coming. Woe, woe, woe. Now, why do they say that? Well, remember this from last week. Remember the spyglass? And we talked about the connection between the seals, trumpets, and bowls, right? Remember the spyglass is like what pirates would use, right? right? And this is the connection. And so we see the seals here. And the trumpets have come, most of it, but there's more to come. But the problem is not only that, the seventh trumpet rolls out the seven bowls, and there's more yet to come. Why were they saying, whoa, whoa, whoa? Because only this little bit was out, and they knew more was to come. Hang on. There's going to be three woes that roll out, and it is going to be absolutely devastating. This is God taking a stand saying, you want to be with me. I am in charge. Trumpet number five, the first woe, demonic affliction. Demonic pain is brought down on the unsaved. Demonic pain is brought down on the unsaved. And uh, this is a huge moment of the demons being released. It says, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, says, I saw a star fallen from heaven. Now, when you see the word star, you could start to think like an asteroid or a star, something like that. And in a plain sense read, you might start there. But then it says, and I gave him the key. He had the key to the abyss. Now this one is no longer an inanimate object. This one is acting. So this is definitely a symbol, a metaphor. This is a lot like back in Revelation 1. Remember when Jesus said he had the seven stars in his hand, and those were the messengers to the church. This is a messenger from heaven. This could be a, a fallen angel, an evil angel. Could be that, or it could be actually a heavenly angel sent down. Either way, this is an angel with a purpose and a message. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, right? The bottomless pit, or the word in the Greek is the word abyss. He was given the key to the abyss. Now, the abyss is a real place for demonic prison. It's a real demonic prison. Absolutely uh, 
real. We see it in Scripture. It's a place where demons are put when they have gone too far. That's the end of it. They get locked down into this abyss. Everybody say real. And uh, just so we're super clear on it, here's a proof of it. Luke chapter 8, Jesus is talking with uh, those uh, around, and there's a man who is demon-possessed. And the demons are uh, big in number. In fact, when they're talking to him, they say, our name is Legion. There are so many, right? And then they start crying out to Jesus, Luke 8, 31, and they say, please don't send us to the abyss. Don't put us in that demonic prison, anything but that. And Jesus ends up sending them into the pigs. If you remember, there was something about being in this world and the freedom of it versus the abyss. It is a lockdown. It is a prison and it is a big deal. The worst of the demons in that abyss locked down. And now an angel is given the key to that bottomless pit and is going to open it. It says he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like, everybody say like, right? Like smoke of a great furnace. And so there's this billowing out of smoke that starts to come out and fill the area. Have you noticed how often there's smoke in the end time stuff that's going on? Just this ominous, darkening down statement of what's happening and this smoke filling and billowing out all over the place. It says, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. This massive billowing up and filling of the air. It says, then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'll lead this right in and say, I don't know that this is actually physical locusts. I'll show you why in just a little bit, okay? I do think this is more of a symbol here of the demons that are being released. It'll be really obvious why I think that in just a second. But either way, we're using the metaphor here of a locust plague. And as locusts came out, they typically came in something like May, and they would ravage the vegetation all summer long. It would last about five months. Typical locust plague, about five months long, horrible in nature, massive attack to the vegetation, and it also caused them a lot of risk of life. And so they dreaded the locust plagues. So when John sees these locusts in the vision, it's a huge deal. It says, look out, big problems are coming. He saw locusts on the earth. They were given power. Everybody say, God's in charge. Right? They, they were given power like, everybody say like, like the power of scorpions on the earth. They weren't scorpions, but like scorpions, they were able to sting and cause a hurt, a physical hurt, maybe even an emotional and spiritual hurt, stinging hard. These demons being released from the abyss. You have to understand, this is a lot like going up to a maximum security prison where only all the murderers and most hateful individuals are. They're willing to hurt and kill anyone even inside. But you step up and you open up that door and you swing the gates wide open and you let them out. And they come roaring out, the hordes and hordes of them, every one of them, evil, violent, vicious. It's like walking up to that maximum security prison and letting every hateful murderer out that's in there. This is the release of the demons in the moment. Why would God do this? Man, we're going to talk more about this next week, but just so we're super clear, in this moment, you're probably in the second half of the seven years, the seals being like the first half, the trumpets now into the second half. 
In this moment, you have people that are making decisions to follow the beast and Satan. I will worship Satan. I'm in with him. And God's like, let me give you a taste of who these are. And he unfolds this demonic force out, this demonic force who's like, they're very limited in what they're allowed to do. God putting a hand down on it. But man, they're willing to bring a hurt. It says they were allowed to torment for five months, but not to kill them. Five months, everybody say five months. The length of a locust plague. And so this metaphor working really well is they're allowed to hurt for five months, but not to kill them. God giving a limitation to them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. Man, this is a massive attack. But just so we're super clear to back up one verse, to whom? It says uh, that they could not hurt any of the trees or the green, but they could only hurt the people who do not have the seal of God. Make that known. God's people cannot be touched. God makes a massive statement. Only those who chose to worship Satan and the beast, those who stand against me, make it known this is who Satan is. And he unleashes demonic force and allows them to do a massive amount of hurt and pain on all of those who stood against God and said, I will only worship Satan and the beast. So they were allowed to go and do this five months of tormenting. It says, and in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. And have you ever been hurting for a day and wished it would stop? Or maybe a couple of days and the pain just won't end and you're like, oh, anything, just make this stop. That days becomes a week. You're hurting nonstop for a week and you can't get it. to. Maybe it's internal pain. It's emotional, spiritual pain. Maybe it's physical pain. Maybe they're using biohazard stuff or all the rest. Who knows? But they're bringing some sting that is nasty and the pain is long and it goes on for a week or maybe weeks. It gets to a month. It gets to three months. You're like, anything to stop this, four months Five months, they're like, I would just rather be dead than... And then all of a sudden it stops. God putting a limit down, five months on the attack. God in charge. They were allowed to bring a pain for five months, but only five months. And they could not take life in the midst of it. Everybody say, God has a plan. I agree with you, man. God has a plan. So then John describes a little bit of the locusts. And uh, this will tell you a little bit of why I think it's describing demons. It says, in appearance, the locusts were like, everybody say like, they were like horses prepared for battle. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you ever had a locust come land on the tree and you look close and you're like, that thing has a saddle on it. No, right? You don't see locusts looking like horses. This isn't a real moment. This is a symbolic moment. This is a statement that these things are prepared for battle. Their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Like, everybody say like. Their faces were like human faces. Everybody say like. And their hair was like women's hair. Everybody say like. Right, it's gonna keep going on. And their teeth like lion's teeth. Everybody say, 
Thank you. And uh, it said, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. Everybody say, like. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. Everybody say, like, right? A lot of like in there. In fact, 13 times in chapter 9, the word like is used to compare and get an idea. So I'm not sure that this is actually literally uh, locusts as much as it's demons. Maybe it is. Maybe it's going to be the both and. Demons roaring out and making an impact, and they're using locusts as well. Whatever it is, they're not going to be attacking the vegetation. It's not a typical locust plague. It's a demon plague. It's attacking soul and spirit. It's tearing down, and it's bringing massive pain. Five months in duration, but cannot take a life. God doing a work. It says, they have stings like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angels of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in the Greek is called Apollyon. Abaddon and Apollyon, that name there just, you know, both sides, Hebrew and Greek, it means destroyer, exterminator. That's who this one is. The one in charge of the ones coming out of the abyss is destroyer, exterminator. Some will say they think this is Satan himself. Maybe this is a secondary leader of, but man, this is one bad, evil angel sitting over all that is coming out with massive force, direction, and plan. Hit here, hit like this, hit in this way, in charge. King over them, ruling them as they come out in this dark evil attack moment. And then the five months subsides and the pain eases. And people are like, I can't even believe we just went through that. And it says, the first woe has passed. Behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, dude, it's not done. There's two more woes to come. Trumpet number six, woe number two. Part of humanity killed. One third of the unsaved people are killed. This coming on those who try to dwell in this world and make it their earthly home. Part of humanity killed. One third of the people. It says, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. The four horns of the altar, this is the place where it actually talks about the prayers of the saints wafting up. And maybe the prayers of the saints is, how long, O God, and your glory, O God? And it's being answered in this moment. It says there's a voice from the golden altar saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at uh, the great river Euphrates. Release the four angels. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Release the four angels who had been prepared. Everybody say, God's in charge. And God has a plan, and God is in charge, and God is doing the work. They are bound at the river Euphrates. Now, maybe this is physical and actual, or maybe it's metaphorical. I take it more as literal. There's no reason not to. You know, Scripture says that at the edge of the promised land was the great, great river Euphrates. In the beginning, the promised land was going to go up to the Euphrates. This would be like the edge of the promised land. 
You know, Babel was just on the other side, and that's where mankind rallied together and tried to build something where they could reach up to God, like, we're going to make it all about us. And maybe these demons are a part of Babel or Babylon that had such grave attack all over the place. Maybe these four are being held specifically accountable for that and locked down. Either way, God knows as soon as he releases them, the one thing they're going to do is rally and attack. So he's locked them down and prepared them to the month, the day, the hour, the year. And he released them to kill a third of mankind. How much? A third lose their lives. A third. We're talking billions of lives taken. And it's going to talk a little bit about the how, but billions of lives lost as these demons attack outright. And God is in charge. God has a plan, and he's unleashed it now, waking up like, do you see who you're worshiping? Be done with worshiping Satan. Be done with evil. Come to me, the one who's in charge. Man, our God, who is love, is letting them taste of the one they're trying to worship. And it's taking life along the way. It says the number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. And John says, I heard the number. He's like, I'm not making it up. And it's not an approximation. By the way, if I were to say how many, oh, there were thousands. Like I clearly, I'm getting like, I'm just trying to explain it in general terms. I'm being hyperbolic, whatever. There, there's thousands. Or even there were tens and tens of thousands, right? I'm just vaguely describing it. When you say there were 10,000 of 10,000 times two, that's exactly what he said. 10,000 of 10,000 times two. Literally 200 million is the number. And John's like, I heard the number given. And it's mind-blowing. There were 200 million in troop counts. Uh, why is that a big deal? Well, you know, at the time of John, uh, there were less than 200 million human beings on the earth, right? So to say 200 million troops is a big deal. If this is a physical human set of troops, that would be unachievable until like the last decade or so, right? And now you hear statements like China has a 200 million man army, right? And that's a big deal statement. You now have that much massed force that is capable. So could it be that it's a China and all that? Maybe. I'm not saying that. In fact, I probably lean a little more that this is not human, that this is actually demonic forces. And you're going to see why in just a second, because you're going to see the like pop up all over the place again. But either way, this is a massive force, 200 million, going to take billions of lives. Man, it is going to be rough as trumpet number six, woe number two, gets unleashed. It says, and uh, this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates, the color of fire and sapphire and uh, of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. Uh, how many horses have you seen with a lion's head? Right? So it could mean that this is about how vicious they are, or it might mean that this is more about the demonic element and the viciousness there. And it says, in fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. There was this nasty, dark, odorous, evil killing coming from the mouth of these horses in the vision. It says, and by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur coming out of the mouth by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur. 
by things on fire, taking life, the smoke rising up, the sulfur and the poison and the evil rolling out. You know, it doesn't say exactly what these mean, and you'd have to work it through and come to some conclusions, but you have demonic attack taking life, whispering to the soul, attacking the spirit, maybe even physically attacking the body. Maybe this is even demons partnering with human beings, and you have a force coming down in that way and lives being taken. Man, this is a massive moment. God in charge, demonic forces wiping out lives. Remember, this is against those who dwell on the earth and call this their home. The ones who are worshiping Satan and God's like, unleash it. I'm just telling you, the demons are like, I don't care who we have to kill. Give us the ability to attack. That's what's going on. Massive demonic hate and attack. It says, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are the serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. There's a picture of a horse that stings and the smoke, and the, it does seem that this is probably something massively vicious, ominous, evil, demonic, and dark. And maybe there's even a partnership with humanity along the way. Man, be careful in the end. For those who are standing against God, don't take that stand, right? That's what's being said. Do not stand against me. This is who I am. And he stands and opens the evil they report to the king of the universe who is all forgiveness and love. May we constantly give our worship to him. Why in the world would you stand against? Why am I saying those words? Because it says, and the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of the, the uh, murders or the sorceries or the sexual immorality or their thefts. They would not bow. They saw all the pain they saw all the hurt. They saw all the welling up. They saw all of God coming. They saw God open up and unleash the demons. They saw the evil and the hate and the power of the demons, and they would not bend. Man, please, don't let that be you. May we listen to our King. May we worship our God and recognize Jesus Christ as in charge. He has died for us and risen for us. He is God Almighty. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen, man. Trumpet number seven, woe number three. And this one actually unveils all of the seven bowls. So trumpet number seven, woe number three, the seven bowls to come, and he shall reign forever and ever. And he shall reign forever and ever. Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation 11, starting in verse 15. So it's a chapter over there, right? Revelation 11, starting in verse 15. And just so you know, yes, we just skipped Revelation 10 and 11. Hang on, we're going to touch on it a little in a few weeks. We're going to go back and touch on these along with Revelation 7. We're going to cover it in way more depth in the class on Wednesday nights. So don't miss out on that class as we dive into Revelation 10 and 11. But hear me on this. Once again, as the sixth trumpet happens, no one comes 
So God ends up pulling some witnesses forward. Revelation 10, God pulls John forward and makes him a witness. Revelation 11, God pulls two witnesses forward in the last half of the seven years and they take a stand for Jesus. That's what's going on in 10 and 11. And now we jump in with the seventh trumpet. Here we go. It says, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Man, there begins to be this worship in the heavens as the seventh trumpet blows. They recognize all the seven bowls are coming, but they're worshiping the greatness of God. And he shall reign. Everybody just say, he shall reign. He shall reign. Say it louder and bigger. He shall reign. Louder and bigger. He shall reign. Know this, this is our almighty king. This is our God. And he shall reign forever and ever. A massive thunderous statement of a worship due to him. And uh, we're over six years into the seven-year cycle by this point. You can talk about the timing and all how it works. There's just a little bit left. The seven bulls are all to come, and they're going to come quick and fast. And as the seven bulls come, then Christ comes back. God in charge. He's doing an amazing work. So here's what he says about it. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within the temple. The Ark of the Covenant was seen. Now, maybe this is just a symbol that represents, and God's going to win, right? Remember, whenever Israel had the Ark of the Covenant, it was, they won. And so they seized the Ark of the Covenant, like, God's going to win in this one. Or maybe it's even more than that, and God has actually ushered the Ark of the Covenant up into the heavenly temple. Maybe that too. Either way, God wins. Everybody just say, God wins. Man, this is a massive statement of God in charge. May we recognize that he wins. And then it says, and there were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and earthquake and heavy, heavy hail. Do you recognize those phrases coming from Revelation 4 in the throne room with the Father, right? There were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And then with the seals, it ended with, and there were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and an earthquake. And then with the trumpets now, it goes flashes of lightning and peals of thunder and rumbling and an earthquake and heavy hail. God is continuing to up the ante on who he is and what he stands against. Come stand with me. I will reign forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. so let's close this out by a little bit of celebration, all right? Point number two, which is nowhere near as long as point number one. Right. <laughs> Point number two, behold the rejoicing in heaven. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Right? Behold the rejoicing. We give thanks. Everybody say thanks. Our worship is, just has to be chocked full of thank, thankfulness to God Almighty. May we celebrate him. It says, in the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshiped. They took a posture of worship. They fell down, body laid out, saying, you are it. They were all in. May our worship this week be an all-in posture. 
like hands raised, body laid out, whatever it is, God, I give you my all. As they saw the greatness of God, the 24 elders laid it out in full. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your power and begun to reign. They're like, we see it, God. You're bringing it to a close. You're walking it in. Six of the seven years are done. It's about over. The seven bulls are to come, and then Christ comes. You will reign forever and ever. We see it, God. You're taking over. A massive celebration. And then it says, the nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged. And we will give account for our position. Do not choose to worship self. And Satan, hand your life over to your king. His name is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, may we truly celebrate. Take it in and recognize you are alive. You have risen from the dead. And I confess you as Lord. You are alive. Everybody just say, he is alive. alive. And just say, you're in charge. May God get all the glory. This is our praise and our worship. It says at the end, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who hear both small and great. Man, please hear me. Your mercy, God. Thank you for your mercy. Everybody just say mercy. We worship the God who gives us mercy. Hear me, all of us deserve the wrath being shown in all of this. And we are protected because of Jesus Christ alone. And all of God's people said, amen, man. It says, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Let's put it in summary. He shall reign forever and ever. Everybody just say it with me. He shall reign forever and ever. Louder and bigger. He shall reign forever and ever. This is our king, and this is the unfolding of his stand, and he's about ready to usher in the coming of Jesus Christ. May we worship the King of Kings. And all of God's people said, let me pray. 